Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right. Now you can sing. I'm not even going to sing. Now no! I don't even sing. Oh, Minnesota. Oh. It's a Minnesota from ah. Minnesota. Ah. It's Chris and Marie, and we're not talking science now. <laughs> No, we'll talk about our favorite movies, and we'll talk about science at the end. (laughs) Marie, I'm I'm excited. So, listeners, the Alien Odyssey Part 3 episode, there's just so, there's so much to this story that we're having. We're kind of reformatting a little bit the ending here because there's a big section where they, they get interviewed by the FBI, and there's some stuff about a nuclear power plant explosion, potentially. It's all kinds of crazy stuff, so... We're working through that, but to give you guys something to chew well, on in the an, meantime. It's an odyssey. It is an odyssey. You don't rush an odyssey. What, what is boy? No, you don't. So, so it's in, an the, odyssey. in the meantime, we're going to give you guys this mini episode to try to tide Yay. you over. So mm-hmm. first part of the episode is a great idea from Marie, which is mm. our top three favorite horror movies. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about that. And then oh, the second yes. part is an idea from Chris, which is what is what is the Reynolds number and the idea of dimensionless numbers and similarity and engineering analysis? Which I think those I think those topics say a lot about our personalities, Marie. So good. So, so good. <laughs> it's the yin and yang of this podcast. Oh, my God. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness me. OK, so horror oh. movies. Horror movies. Horror movies. You know, mm. we were talking about we were talking about this a little bit at the beginning yeah. uh, of our call, not the not the beginning of the episode, where I am already like knee deep in a Halloween season mode. <laughs> like, if you look at my if you look at my Spotify playlist, it's like horror movie themes and classical horror, and um, you know the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack and like stuff like that, whatever. And then God. my house is always pretty much. My my house is always like halfway decorated for Halloween because we have a lot of weird antiques and like creepy paintings and stuff. But <sighs> it's not until Halloween that we take out the actual like pumpkins and things. But it's pretty pretty much always right at that you level. Really put in that extra. You go that extra mile. Oh my god! That like that three months. If like, I had going my up to it. <laughs> if I had my way, we would live in a haunted castle all the time. Oh my god! Pretty much. I think Katie's probably like yeah. Yeah, I'm no. sure we would. <laughs> yeah, I'm no. sure we would, buddy. I know. I know you would. <laughs> right. Me, me and my lawyer, we wouldn't be, but that's cool. <laughs> no, I'm just as long as listen, I got to the point where she has to hire a lawyer. It's going great. <laughs> going well. You and the haunted. You could you could come up with some ghoul for your for your uh, power of attorney. No, oh my just, goodness. Um so I thought, of course, like, and, and we just saw, we both saw a really excellent horror movie, not together, but separately, and we've talked about it a little bit, and we'll try not to spoil it here, but that's, that's like in my top 10. So I was like, 
of course, we're going to have to talk. I was like, let's talk about something fun. Let's talk about horror movies. Yay. And then you're like, science, science, science. Yeah. Science, do science, science stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Marie. No, the, dude, it's all cool. It's so good. Hereditary was, yeah, it was. it's in my top 10 too, actually. Yeah. It's so good. It was, yeah. it, it, okay, it. In, within, so we probably will spoil a, a little of the movie, or hopefully not a lot of the movie. But if you haven't seen it yet, um, you may want to skip ahead a little bit just to be safe. But I would say, yeah, like because it's hard to talk about without spoiling. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty much impossible. I would say. Yeah. The part. Yeah. So, um, so for me, the reason I liked the movie so much was because it wasn't overtly like there wasn't like a monster that pops out right which is a big Mm -hmm. awesome i hate i like i like monster movies i guess but Mm -hmm. it is always so disappointing when a monster like when you know mama was really good until the end when yeah you know the whatever right that's thing anyways the but hereditary the only thing are kind of yeah the only thing with hereditary that was kind of not disappointing at all, but I kind of guessed the I guessed the way it was going to end like 25 minutes in. Really? Yeah. Like we we I whispered to Katie. I was like, I bet that's I bet this is going to happen. Really? Interesting. <laughs> and then it happened. And I kind of have a bad I have I have a bad. See, I think it's this confirmation bias because mm-hmm. I feel like I do that with movies a lot, but it's only the times that I'm right that really stick with me. Like uh, I remember, I remember for some god awful reason, my friends and I went to go see the second GI Joe movie together in theaters, mm, and mm-hmm, we were just mm-hmm. tearing into it the whole time. And there was a part where, like, one of these musclehead dudes is like in the water scuba diving or something, and a a jellyfish passed by, and I jokingly whispered to one of my friends, "That's not a real jellyfish; it's a robot jellyfish." And then it was. A robot jellyfish, and it was really stupid, but funny. But so with this one, though, the cool thing with Hereditary was it the trailers didn't spoil it at all. No, from the no. trailers, you thought that totally different. Movie. You thought it would be a totally different movie. So I thought it was really great. Anyways, M and Fers. I know. Yeah, no, I. Yeah. Oh, so good. I, it was. I think so. The thing I like about it is, again, it's not. It's more of a psychological horror movie in that it it's talking about families and family problems, really. I mean, if it, if it didn't have, like, any sort of horror to it and it was just sort of this family drama, you would still, like, have all these knots in your stomach about sort of this, the, what's going on with this family. So basically the premise is... It's a uh, you know small family, a mom, a dad. They have they've gotten um, a sixteen year old son and a thirteen year old daughter, and the grandmother or the mom's mom passes away, and it's sort of the contentious relationship that she had with her daughter, and what happens after her death. That is sort of the baseline of the story and it's really sort of the root of all of the horror and all of the action of the story and it makes you what it kind of makes you really uncomfortable about and what 
works really well for horror is it's like it plays off of the idea that that the problems that you have within you or within your family you'll never be able to outrun or you'll never be able to change there's mm-hmm. no such thing as free will and that eventually it will it will the evil will be passed on or will affect you and this is just the timing and the performances and everything were just like you go the first like i want to say the first part of the movie after the there's after you know the whole movie's about mourning loss you know really acutely mourning loss and then the last 5 minutes it goes off the rails and stuff just goes <laughs> full on horror Things like if you were nuts. like yeah. if you're like if you're watching this and you're like man this isn't this isn't scary i'm not getting any what you know then like holy smokes the one scene where she, where he's where he wakes up out of bed and you don't really see what's going on behind him yeah i was like okay you know what come on shum on people well it's, the th- the thing that's nuts about that last scene though is and this is like this, 5 minutes and you're like yeah. what the this is this is heavy spoiler territory here. So yes. if you stayed with us this long, jump out now if you haven't seen mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the last minute, where he's just standing there, mm-hmm. and it's just his face looking at you, I thought that was really great because it doesn't really it doesn't really hit you until that point. Like leaving the theater and thinking about then what that ending meant for all of the other parts of the movie. Yes. And then all the other pieces that come in, like oh. that means that the, the grandmother, it would, okay. This is what I think that ending points to mm-hmm. the grandmother mm-hmm. had the daughter as a mistake because she was trying oh. to create a son specifically using this magic ritual to mm-hmm. be the embodiment of payment. Mm-hmm. Right. And yep. so then when the son says to her that he is, or she mentions that her brother killed himself because yes. he thought the mother was trying to put voices in his head. We're that was actually people inside him. That was actually happening. <laughs> that was actually real. <laughs> that was real. So then, oh. then it talks about how she never really paid any attention to the daughter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she has the kid, the son doesn't really pay attention, has the little girl who is the embodiment of payment mm-hmm. and just smothers it with love. And then like it, it just it the evilness of the grandmother that she create mm-hmm. she specifically created these these people. Uh, she cre- she had the daughter not out of love, but out of desire, greed, lust for money. Or lust mm-hmm. for riches, lust for power yep. that this thing could bring her. That doesn't hit you until the the end of the movie where you're because the whole time you're watching and you're like, oh, it's a ghost. It's a horror, whatever. It's just normal stuff. And then it gets to the end and it's like, holy shit. <laughs> you, know, you know, this is mm-hmm. this is like the grandma is is depraved in her in her evilness, I guess. Yes. That she had been planning this. Right. And that that level of depravity, that level of uh, disdain for human life, it is a huge part of the witchcraft story and not like Wiccan, not like whatever. It's a huge part of the demonology story. And 
it really that what seeing that movie is what made me think we should do an episode on that for Halloween. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's why I'm oh, it's gosh. why I'm up to my neck in grimoires at the moment. But, oh, my God. And that was the other thing that was really cool, too, was all the symbology and stuff that they used is from real demonological sources like that symbol for payment is his is his sigil the the necklace that they all mm-hmm. wear mm-hmm. is the sigil for payment so for for listeners that don't know and we're going to talk about this more when we get in the episode payment is one of like the not a king of hell not really he's a, a king so of hell he's a king Prince. of hell he's a king of hell but like the title of king though is kind of a mis- like- He's a court. He's one of the he's yeah, one of the members. Exactly. Of the court exactly. Of hell. It's yeah. like it's like being an archangel in some ways. So it's like the opposite yeah. of the archangels. And so he is he is the king uh, that's representative of the uh, West of the West part of the mm-hmm. compass and is, uh, you know, it's so there's all of this lore around this figure that does exist in these books and things. And it's super interesting. It's just it's fascinating. So, yeah, hereditary. Yes. Oh, God damn. Hereditary was so good. It was like halfway through it, man, or like right after the one scene with the uh, with the telephone pole. Did you see the sigil on the oh, telephone pole? Oh my god, I missed the sigil yeah. on the telephone pole. Yeah. As soon okay, yeah. as soon as the little girl chopped off the head of the pigeon, I was you like, like huh. I was like, someone's gonna lose a head. What's up with this? Someone's gonna lose a head, and it's gonna oh, be something like that, kid? but. The, the boy, too. So I was reading this article about it because, of course, after I saw it, I was like, I have to read everything I can find about this movie because I was so f- that's like the guy. That was the director's first for first thing that he's done, which is amazing. Um, and they were talking about how Steven Spielberg would focus on people's faces for a very long time to show wonder so instead of showing the thing that is so miraculous and so incredible, they show people's reaction to it. Okay. Which is, you can kind of see in like E.T., you can see it in some of... Uh, I'm thinking of the scene to, in Jurassic Park where he first sees Jurassic the dinosaurs. Park, where he looks up and you're seeing with his, hat, his reaction. Yeah. yeah. His reaction to stuff. And it's classic Spielberg type of... He was one of the first directors that kind of introduced that... I want to say now it's probably more of a trope, but introduce that to to filmmaking here. It's like it's flipped on its it's flipped on its axis. Right. Yeah. It is the other side of the coin. It's you are seeing the person's face, you know, as as pure horror unfolds and like almost they are mentally becoming undone and you're watching it. Yeah. Oh. And that to me is like him sitting and his eyes like he's still driving and his eyes start to go up to the rear view mirror and stop. Uh, and then he's just like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And you just are watching his face like that kid. That's a great actor. And that was just like, that's when Paul was like, I would like to go home now. I don't want to see the rest of this movie. And I'm like, what? No, but come on. Come on, baby. And he's like, I am liking to go home. This is not what I wanted to see. You know, I'm like. And then the rest of it, he's just like, oh, my God, are you yeah. kidding me? It's um, it's funny. It's funny to me how. I, oh, I wish there had been more to the girl. Oh, really? See, I, I was like, nope, took care of that right off the bat. I like thought- any kind of preconceived notion you had that <laughs> this is how this movie was going to play out. And it's just like if you have any kind of contentious relationship with family at any time, which 
I am sure 100% of our audience has, you'll see this movie and you're just like, oh, you know, like to you're saying, it's like this, this grandmother, this matriarch planned all of this. Well, you know what it also, this, this I mean, evil, at least, but it's like, that's family, right? That's yeah. like family writ large. Well, and also, so for me, at least it kind of tugged at the, tugged at the old heartstrings, I guess, because it, it makes you feel like when a, when a loved one passes that you had a complicated relationship with, mm-hmm. or even just after kind of, let's say you separate from someone or whatever, you always go back and you second guess and you wonder, you know, is, uh, time kind of, you know, they say time heals all wounds, right? And it also mm-hmm. blurs and kind of, you know, those black and whites that were so clear in your mind previously where I was right and they were wrong or whatever, they start to gray over time. And the yes. edges of right and wrong kind of start to blur. That's why people can forgive someone after such a long period of time, right? Unless they're demonologist grandmother <laughs> well it, it kind of it kind of uh, perfectly shows this uh the the main character the wife uh and the 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 mother of the kids and the yeah yeah i, I, can't, I can't remember, remember i can't remember her, her name either but, name, but damn main, she nailed that, that she was, was great but the main so character much that was so good the main character is dealing with the death of her mother who she had a bad relationship with And you can you can guess. And at least I was feeling that she must be second guessing herself. Why was this relationship so bad? Should I have forgiven Mm -hmm. her? Should I have brought her in sooner? Should I have tried to get to know her in the time that she was alive, et cetera, yada, yada, whatever. And. That's why she's feeling such grief, I think, in many ways. And then and then it ends and you're like, it was that that lady was so much worse than you thought. You know, it's it's she, you you know, you thought she was at a seven. She's at like a a 50, you know, on a one to 10 scale. It's just ridiculous. It just it jumps off so hard. And oh, my goodness. I mean, and the thing. Oh, 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 goodness. We can talk about and Tony Collette, too. I will say she is the standout role in this and just her interaction about grief and her her scene, especially there's a few, but with her son oh. at the very end, like when she says that one line and then she clamps her hand back over her mouth. It's just like, oh, my, like that's when like that is when collectively everyone in the audience like that was the biggest reaction. Right. I, I can't imagine. Everyone gasped. I can't, imagine, was like, <gasps> I can't imagine seeing that movie with like your mother. You know what I mean? Because oh like, like everyone, no matter how. And I have I have a great relationship with my mom. But like, we we've had fights, you know. Everyone has fights with their parents, like whatever, right? And there That's are family members, parents. exactly. Yes. And so it's you know, it, there are time. There are definitely things that I'm sure I've said to my mom that I shouldn't have said. I know there are, and I'm sure there are things that she wishes she hadn't said at some point, whatever. And so when that scene comes on, it's kind of like you know, you just you sit there and you cringe. And if you're next to your mom, it's even worse. Oh. Oh goodness. It's really it is it is by far I think one of my favorite horror movies. And oh yeah. A, I think it's returning to something that is so true that to me is so more truly frightening than torture porn. And sort of where a lot of where kind of classic genre horror movies are going now, I feel like this is so much more like 
Like I thought about that movie for for days oh, afterwards. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Super good. So I'm gonna say that's like that is definitely one of my top picks. How about for 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 you? What's your second one? So I would say my so hereditary definitely on the top list of my I would even maybe put a top five horror movies of all time. Oh yeah. But for sure oh, yeah. I the so my favorite horror movie of all time, I have really my favorite horror movies are not good movies. They're <laughs> terrible. Like I have a thing. Sharknado? Yeah, no, I really love movies like that. When I was in mm-hmm. high school and then through college too, I used to do these like terrible movie nights with my friends. And we would watch these just these horrendous horror movies from like the you know, the sixties, late fifties. 60s to 70s to maybe early 80s but once the 80s hit it kind of stopped everything's trying to be really earnest and they didn't know what was what was going to be silly looking and so i watch a lot of kind of grindhouse horror and then also sort of oh. like late 60s early 70s horror which was almost always like edging towards pornography in, in some ways like it's really weird and gross in some yeah some like of them the, ha- are, the hammer films yeah like some of them are weird and gross but so my favorite horror movie of all time is probably probably my favorite one. My actual favorite horror movie is Silence of the Lambs or Red Dragon. Oh, oh, oh. I love those books. Like I, I, I read those books probably 50 times each, all three of them. I've even read Hannibal Rising, which was an unfortunate foray into <laughs> Hannibal's younger years. It was better than the movie was, but it wasn't great. And I also I just love like the Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal trilogy of yeah. books is so tight and good. And, and it it's just so they're so good. They're so compelling. Reasons. I love them. So Silence of the Lambs, probably my number one favorite horror movie. My number two favorite horror movie is I don't even know if it's really considered a horror movie. It's called Freaks. Have you ever have you ever seen Freaks? One of us. One yeah, of us. that yeah, movie scared the crap out of me as a kid. That movie scared me so bad. And really? so for those that don't know, Freaks is a movie from 1932. Yeah. It is a pre-code horror film. <laughs> and so pre-code means it's before there was a motion picture production code for censorship. So this movie is super strange. It has a bunch of, a bunch of sideshow workers, right? Sideshow performers who are there. So it has people that had real deformities and things. Um, For instance, the conjoined sisters, Daisy and Violet Hilton, um, Schlitzy, uh, who is, Schlitzy was a uh, a man who was born uh, born without normal kind of human features, I guess, in this in the sense of I don't even know how to describe it, really. It's really it's really, really difficult to describe the way that Schlitzy looks, but basically has uh, microcephaly. So microcephaly is an extremely, extremely small brain and skull. And then a very small stature, but at the same time, a uh, almost a normal human size look at like proportion wise, 
the frame looks like an average human frame, mm-hmm. but uh, this poor person had a very, very small skull, a small brain, a lot of intellectual disabilities and things. And so it's kind of, uh, so Schlitz was actually female and it's very scary. It, the thing I guess that's scary is that it has almost a look into what, what carnivals were really like in some ways. Mm-hmm. So it shows these people being used and their deformities being used for people to gawk at and make fun of and things. And in the beginning, you're just kind of like, Oh, this is just a weird movie, whatever. And then it takes a very odd turn at the end where they turn the woman into a, uh, into a chicken lady. Mm-hmm. So it's, it just scared me really bad as a kid. And I was like, Oh my God, this is scary. This is like, Oh goodness. I hated that. Uh, that movie scared the crap out of me so bad. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's a hugely influential film. Of course. That that influenced so many, so many horror genre type of, you know, just look, feel, sort of. The weirdness of it. Uh-huh. I think the weird, like to me, you can almost draw a straight line to a racer head freaks, right? I mean, it's yeah. really, it's really disturbing. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's an, it's a nuts, nuts movie. And it's so worth watching now because yeah. it really, like, again, you, you see it and you think, how scared how weird is this really gonna get it gets so weird how weird can this film get yes exactly. <laughs> so 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 weird now, so did you uh, just separate question did you watch and or enjoy the hannibal series on television i watched some of hannibal on television i did not enjoy it very much because it turns Okay, their relationship between each other uh-huh. is supposed to be a short one. Okay, it's and that's between Hannibal and the dude who's hunting him, who is the name escaping me. Yeah, it's this between is, yeah, yeah. it's between um, what's the word? It's between Hannibal and Will Graham, William Graham, yes. and so Will Graham in the in the books he has been. He's been working with Hannibal Lecter for a small period of time and is tricked by Hannibal after he realizes that Hannibal is actually a serial killer and is, in fact, the serial killer that they're after. And so he then deforms Will and, uh, you know, hurts him badly and it scars Will forever. And so in the, the, the TV show has a bunch of bad tropes, I think, including the autism as oh. superpower thing right and the uh, mental illness is superpower and then it also brings up this thing where 
just because someone has a mental illness does not immediately make them violent or dangerous. And so mm-hmm. as someone who has a lot of trauma from not a great Serial killers, no, like no, from not from like not a normal that. childhood. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It that shows like that pissed me off because it's, you know, um, that I don't know. There's no threat yeah. that, that doesn't make someone become a the same thing with Dexter, right? Like, oh, the baby oh, yeah. was messed up, whatever. It, it takes a lot more than a bad childhood to make a serial killer, to make someone violent, to make someone angry to that extent. So, yes, you know, it's just it's super it's super frustrating with shows like that. And they fell into so many tropes and it could have been. An interesting it could have been a very interesting thing, I think, or an interesting series. And then again, a lot of those shows. So I only watched the first like season and a half of Hannibal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those shows, too, in the hope, like, like, let's say Dexter, in the hope of becoming a continual series, Dexter is like one of what, 1000 serial killers in Miami at any given time. Like, there's not even that many Taco Bells in Miami. It's crazy. You know, like there's no way. There's no way that there's that many serial and the killers. Taco Bells never get their own series. Never. It's ridiculous. So, yeah. So, no, I, I, I did not particularly care for the Hannibal TV show. Um, I think the definitive thing still is the books and then the movies with, uh, with, you know, Anthony Hopkins and with, uh, yeah. oh, what is his name? The guy that plays uh, Dollar Hyde. He's oh, so good. Ralph Finney's yeah, is so good. Yeah. And Dollar Hyde is yeah. so much scarier than Hannibal Lecter in my mind. Yeah. Dollar Hyde is so much scarier and it's, it's based on a wonderful uh, painting and a wonderful and weird uh, person on his own right. William Blake. Yeah. So yeah. that would be my like number one and number two. And then I guess my number three favorite horror movie of all time would probably be I don't know. Maybe the exorcist may. I mean, that's kind of a boring answer. Mm. No, I don't think it's boring. I think that the exorcist is up there still. Yeah. It's still scary. I mean, the thing is there's a lot of movies that don't, I'm trying to think of a movie that really scared me, scared me. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. That's because there's kind of two measures of a bad, there's two measures of a good horror movie. There's for me, there's three almost there's comic effect. Like how bad is the horror movie? Like, is it over the top? Is it hilarious? Is it strange and weird and funny? And that yeah. would be movies like uh, Freaks kind of broad. Freaks kind of goes over a bunch of different categories for me. It's like a historical document. It's also pretty creepy. But like that would be like a movie uh, such as Silent Night, Bloody Night. Yes, that movie is hilarious. Yes. It is stupid as hell. It is not scary in the least, but it's it's supposed yeah. to be scary. And so yes. it's very funny to me. And in some ways too, The Exorcist movies especially the sequels hit that same level where okay this was probably scary in the 80s it is not Uh, scary anymore nah i mean i think anytime you get into a sequel event it's it's never scary yeah i don't know i mean i'm hard pressed to think of a sequel that was scarier than the original period for anything i mean i think silence of the lambs sounds i mean technically technically silence of the lambs is the sequel to red dragon Technically, but and I that would book say is scary. Yeah, I agree with you. So, but again, those are that's kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll give you Silence of the Lambs, but anything besides like any any sequel out there that is that is using the name or 
the characters or anything from the first and is a true sequel sequel. There, it's just there isn't. There isn't, I don't think. Sure, I, sure. Maybe our listeners can point one out. Maybe. Uh, the other, I don't think so. I don't think so either, actually. The other one that I think is really good that doesn't get enough credit in some ways is is the original record which was from yeah that yeah. was from uh i want to say it was from brazil yeah maybe yeah. or spain it's from spain that movie was so scary it well, was so good yeah. the original ring ring yes was terrifying For, yeah i felt like that that was the americanized version is pretty good pretty tight pretty good but still like there's something about um about the japanese version of that that is really more authentic and more just horrific uh -huh. i think and even though you're you, again you're trying to catch up with the subtitles you're trying to figure out what's going on there's like a lot of cultural um nuances that aren't very familiar to an american audience watching ringu but man she starts crawling out of that well. Damn, you just are like, oh, this isn't okay. This yeah. Is, this is, you know what? I don't think this is good. This isn't going to end well. This is no. a bad idea. There's some really this good. Is a bad idea. There's some really legitimately good and scary Japanese oh, horror movies. Man. Korean Korean horror movies, too. There are some oh, really scary ones. They are just, it is just like this messed up. Like, I don't know. what They were like the first ones to sort of kind of push the idea of something being deeply unsettling for a reasoning that you're not exactly sure why. Sure. Right. And you're like, Hey, here's, you know, we're going to flip all through these, you know, it's a video that you die after watching or whatever, you know, and it's like random, 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 dissettling, random, random, random. Oh, and here's a well. And, and you're like, huh. <laughs> huh. <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be huh. interesting. You know? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's just, it just, you just keep playing on it. Like that's a strange place. Dan. So what was so what are your what are your top three, Marie? So my top three, I would have to say, like, yeah, hereditary pretty much pretty much just clocked it. That was a good one. Um I am a big fan of Blair Witch, Blair Witch Project. Okay, yeah, that was a good I, one. I feel like the Blair Witch Project again was not just because it was the first one that did sort of the found the found video trope, but they had some really, again, some really unsettling, you know, some unsettling effects and some unsettling interactions with the actors and this idea of it, you know, you can go some, you know, you should be able to see a 7-Eleven from anywhere in America kind of <laughs> idea, right? Like there's nowhere, there's nowhere that you should be able to get lost in America and yet, you know, you do and, and, you know, you can't trust your own judgment. You can't trust your own senses things that you think should make sense, you know, are no longer, no longer applied. There's not even rational, the rational world anymore. Uh -huh. I think that there's, and how it ends. I really, I thought that that was a really good, scary film. I loved that. Um, I, so I was thinking about my number, like number three, I would have to say it's sort of like a toss up. I think if, if, if I'm, you know, for more long term, I've been a big fan of 28 Days Later. 
Yeah, that's a really that's that's one that always yeah. is on my list of like top ten. Yeah, but it's yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. The first the first half of it, I think, is probably like I, I think that it's a hard film to have a good ending to or an ending uh-huh. that's gonna be able to end. But just the opening scene of him coming out of the of the uh, coma, not knowing what's going on. Sure. Um, that they used that somehow did get appropriated into, uh, you know, Walking Dead. Um, I thought that that was just so scary because it was the first idea that zombies. You know, you're getting explicit ideas that zombies aren't these slow moving. You know that that it could, you know, flesh eating, dead. It's it could be a virus. It could be something that we bring on ourselves, and they're gonna be fast, right? <laughs> Which yeah. to me is like when you see them just running in a pack, you're like, oh, that's you know, again, that's that's scary. Um, and that if it, you're infected, you are immediate. The effect is almost immediate. Um, just very like this high adrenaline anxiety filled film that I, again, like I, it, when it ended, I was sort of like, eh, I was let down, but I just didn't know how else when you amp up something that well, I don't know how else you would end something like that. So that's one of my first openings. Sure. I think recently, um, get out just for the simple fact that it made me very un as a white woman. I was so unsettled after it because I was like, wow, I have not thought about racism in this respect, in this light, for a very long time in the guise of a horror movie, too, which was also really scary. So I was like, that that was really, really well done. And very, and again, like, if you leave a f- movie and you feel, like, unsettled and creeped out and unsure, that's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure, for sure. That's, that's... That is, that's a good thing. And like, it makes you like, again, to me, like a good horror movie, is something that kind of pushes you with terror to make you think about things mm-hmm. and, or that may not feel comfortable anyways. And I think that those films did a really good job with that. I mean, I love all of terror, but I think that those to me are like the marked difference of. No, yeah, those, those are really well. It's, yeah. it's funny. My, I, I can actually hear in my head. My mom's screaming at me for not mentioning these other movies. Oh, Dora. Yeah. What I know. Does, so my mom, does your mom my, like horror. My mom, mom loves like horror? horror movies. Oh. I, I got to say my mom's probably my mom's favorite horror director would probably have to be Dario Argento. <gasps> who did. Uh, and actually I was going to, I was oh, going to yeah. mention another horror movie that I actually love. That I didn't even, I didn't even think to mention at first is the wicker man, the original wicker man. Is so good. Oh, but the remake with Nicolas Cage. The bees is so stupid. Oh my goodness! Y'all need to stop what you're doing. Stop whatever important thing that you are doing. And I would even say, put us on pause and go watch The Wicker Man with Nick Cage and your life. The the doors of perception shall swing wide. It's a good one. So the the movie the movie that my the movies that my mom would say every horror fan Mm. should watch. And I agree with her. Is Lucello dal Piume di Cristallo or or Piume di Cristallo? Sorry, my Italian is horrible. The Bird with the Crystal Plumage by again Dario Argento, a very good 
a very good kind of more of a thriller than a horror movie, I would say. And then Deep Red mm-hmm. or Profundo Rosso, which is really good. A really good movie and uh, a very scary one. Even if you are a little put off by, say, subtitles, it's so good. You have to watch it. So those would be, I think, another three that you got to watch. They're so good. Oh, my goodness. The Wicker Bad Man. To- oh, yeah. oh, no, I was going to say just- bad props to Dora for being the horror fan oh i know right for. the yeah. the wicker man that image of just the i don't know pagan imagery always scares the mm-hmm. crud out of me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that image of the you know the actual uh the man itself made of wig oh so scary yeah burning well, it's in the, sort of in the like it's yeah it's like um it's like the figurines from blair witch yes right? yes yeah very similar yeah and you're you're sort of like ah oh, that that it that shouldn't be no. right? Some, somebody made that like that that's representation of humans and in a place that humans shouldn't be representing themselves or that's, you know, it's like, it's this weird kind of connection with nature of it is, I don't know, like that was what was so unsettling to me about, um, to me about Blair Witch too. You know, I was like, uh, that's not good. Ugh, so it's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. And I will say, you know, again, shout out for like paranormal, paranormal, um, come on, it's paranormal experience. Um, paranormal, paranormal. Oh, I can't remember it now. That was scary. That was good. Paranormal uh, activity. Paranormal activity. That's scary. That's scary in a jump scare kind of way, though. In a, in a good jump scare. Yeah, no, it is. Scare. It's a good, it's a good, good jump, jump scare, scare kind of way. Nice jump scare. I think oh that that's goodness. just a perfect jump scare movie in a lot of ways. Like it's pretty good. I don't know, like Saw. Um, Saw stunk. Saw those yeah. movies are so stupid. Oh, you know which one I did like. So if you want to get self-referential with your horror, get the whole Scream series, which are really good. But uh, Cabin in the Woods, Josh Wheaton. Yeah, that's a good one too. That's a good Give one too. Give it up. Oh, I can't wait for Halloween, Marie. Yeah, it's almost here, man. It's I'm so right excited. I told Katie I'm it's... gonna start decorating. She's like, it's not even August. I'm like, I don't care. And then you got out the t-shirt. We'll close the blinds. We'll make it dark in here. <laughs> you got out the uh, the giant orange um pumpkin t-shirt. My pumpkin, my like, pumpkin shirt. And you're like, <laughs> it's on, baby! <laughs> she looks like a big nerd. And she's like, oh god. Oh god, all right. Let's uh let's let's move on to Yes, Our next listeners, thing. really quick listeners, tweet us out and tell us what your favorite horror movies are and why. Maybe we will do a, um, a horror night. Like we watch yeah. a live tweet with some of our favorites. Honestly, I kind of think we should do like a Mystery Science 3000 <gasps> sort of thing where like me and you watch yes. a horror movie live on Twitch or something and just make comments. Oh my God. The only thing is, it's gonna, the only thing is like we have to find a way to do it and not be snarky no copyrighted so snarky but uh, okay, copyrighty yeah copyrighty is the right word i think it's going to be rough we have to well the good news is a lot of those old movies uh don't didn't make any money in the first place so no one cares if you play them on youtube and twitch so that's great i think yeah definitely i'd be so in for that oh it'd be so awesome we should get we should get a couple other folks too maybe we can get the not alone we can get sam and jason and rob to join oh, us oh my god pretty amazing Oh, I think we're going to have to do that. That's a good idea. All right. So (laughs) the next thing we're talking about today, quick, is Reynolds number, Marie. Reynolds, Burt Reynolds number? Yes, Burt Reynolds number. I don't have it. 
I, I you know, I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> don't think I wouldn't be calling him if I didn't. Um, okay. Good night, everybody. You've been great. I don't. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> so the Reynolds number is a. Okay. So, in have Stop. you have you ever wondered? No, but keep going. Yes. Okay. <laughs> have you ever wondered to yourself? There's all these people engineering stuff. They mm-hmm. test stuff at the lab scale. And even at say the pilot scale, mm-hmm. how do they know it'll work if they make it bigger? Because Elon Musk tells them they have to. <laughs> so for instance, for instance, oh, Elon Musk is going off the deep end. So God. you're so for instance, this weekend, Marie, you were potting, you were canning tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Were you canning sauce or just tomatoes? Just tomatoes. Okay. Just tomatoes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Let's say you were, let's say you were canning sauce or let's say you were making sauce Okay. in your kitchen. You got say like maybe a 10 gallon and that's crazy big in the first place. Let's say you got like a three gallon pot, a giant pot to cook the tomato sauce in. Right. Okay. And you know, I have this recipe of, I put my oven on this temperature or this is heat. This, is this an authentic Italian recipe? I, I'm just saying whatever. I know, I'm putting, but I, it helps me. Okay, yes, it's an authentic okay. Italian recipe, Marie. Thank Straight you. from a Mamadora. So I'm allowed to do that because that's how all of my uncles talk. So the um, so you know you put your oven at this amount of heat in. You got you stir it once every five minutes. You you t- give a swirl around ten times or something. You put you know um, in like the big thing of tomato. You put. Uh, you know, five onions, 20 cloves of garlic. You it's put, pot. I'm, it's a big ass pot. It's a big pot of sauce, right? Yeah. You're making like three, four gallons of, of sauce. Okay. All right. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. This is, don't follow this recipe. It's going to come out terribly. Right. So you, you know, though, how much you put into stuff. You have all these other things, whatever. If you wanted to start making 20 gallons or a hundred gallons or 10,000 gallons, how would you do that? Like, what, what do you think you would do? Uh, I would guess that I would have to exponentially change the recipe somehow and make it bigger. So like, okay, so let's, so let's say you were doubling. Let's say you're going from like three yeah, gallons okay. to six gallons. Do you think you would just double the amount of, rest of stuff you put? Well, hypothetically. Okay. But I don't, I don't, I think that there would be some problems with that. Okay. Just because liquid, like things measure out differently, right? I mean, yeah. it's not an apples to apples, quote unquote. hundred percent. hundred percent. onions to onions, right? right. So That's, you would have it, to, you'd have to evaluate for each thing that you're doing. Yeah. And so that is the challenge that chemists and chemical engineers, just engineers generally faced when we were trying to start scaling things up to industrial production levels was I can get this thing to work in the lab, but if I just double the size or a hundred times the size or whatever, it doesn't work. The reason why it doesn't work is because what you're trying to match are not the exact ratios of things or volumes or whatever. You're trying to match the thermodynamic state of the system at both the small scale and the lab scale. And so what engineers over time developed are known as dimensionless quantities. And what these are, they are ratios of fundamental 
forces or values. So for instance, the Reynolds number is a ratio of the inertial forces to the viscous forces within a fluid. So it's like, viscous. so it's like, oh, yes. it's like how much, how much force is required for fluid to flow due to viscous dissipation. So like if it's really viscous, it'll take more force for it to flow versus inertial forces, which is once it's moving, it'll move on its own. Yes. Okay. Yes. So what I'm, Reynolds, I'm remembering a little of this thermodynamic lesson. Sweet. Okay. So what Reynolds found was that you could define a number, which he called the Reynolds number for any fluid in a pipe. And that number is equal to the density of the fluid times its velocity times the characteristic dimension of the pipe, which in pipes is usually the diameter of the pipe divided by the dynamic viscosity of the fluid. And if you, even if you had a pipe that's like a millimeter in diameter versus a 10 meter pipeline, so long as the Reynolds number is the same, you can expect the fluids to behave the same way. Mm. Now, is it only fluids? It's not just fluids. It's true. There's all kinds of dimensionless quantities. Mm. There's a whole bunch of them. So There's we, so it, it generally is. It's used most often in the world of fluid mechanics and dynamics, but it's also used in other interesting ways. So for, instance, so for instance, one of the ones that you've probably heard of is the Mach number. Right. So like if something's yes. going Mach mm -hmm. one, that's the oh, yeah, that's yeah. the dimensionless ratio of the speed of the object to the speed of sound of the fluid. Yes. Or the speed of and, sound in the fluid, rather. So actually the Mach number. It's also the it's also the car from Speed Racer. It sure is, Marie. <laughs> so the the interesting thing with, say, the. Uh, the interesting thing with the Mach number. You're welcome, science. <laughs> the interesting thing with the Mach number is mm -hmm. it actually has really important ramifications for things like, say, the work that I do, where if a fluid approaches the Mach number, it means that you cannot get any more pressure loss in a pipe because it'll choke. The flow will choke and it can't like you can't force more flow through a pipe than how much will leave at Mach number one. Yeah. Okay. It's like a, that's a very simplified that way of saying that answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That has really big ramifications if you're trying to use pipes to relieve the pressure inside of an overpressuring vessel. Uh huh. Right. So okay. if you have something that might explode and you're trying to get as much, you're trying to get as much mass out of that thing as possible. Mm -hmm. The Mach number of that fluid is a really important parameter because that's going to determine how much mass you can possibly get out of any size pipe. Okay. So these things are really, really important. And it's just, I always think it's really, it's extremely fascinating that you could do this kind of stuff. So there's an idea called the Buckingham pie theory, which basically is uh, the idea is that if you have some dimensionless, if you have some, some quantity that you think is a function of other things, Right. So let's take, for example, our our pasta sauce idea in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You think that the ultimate, say, tastiness, although that's an impossible thing to measure, but whatever, like the ultimate goodness of your pasta sauce is a function of the number of garlic cloves you put in, the number of onion things you chop, halves you chop, 
the amount of olive oil you mm-hmm. put in, the amount of salt and pepper you put in, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the time you take to cook it. Well, you could, in theory, come up with a dimensionless quantity that has all of those values together. And then that would, in theory, if you defined your your function in the beginning correctly, that will, in theory, describe the system for scale up. So, so long as that number was the same, you could go from, say, a three gallon pot to a 20 gallon to a thousand gallon. You would just have to use the same. Okay. Okay. You would just have to make sure that your dimensionless quantity was the same. So it's a it's a fascinating idea. And it literally like that's that is one of the defining characteristics of chemical engineering education versus other engineering disciplines is that dimensionless quantity analysis, because other engineering like other engineering fields do that, but they don't nearly use as many of them as chemical engineers do, because we worry a lot more about fluid flow. So. I'm assuming now that there's certain kind of algorithms and stuff that you can test them out hypothetically. But like, if you got something like this wrong, you would probably, you could, it could be relatively not just a, a disgusting tasting spaghetti sauce. Right. Well, the beauty, (laughs) yeah, the beauty of the, the crazy thing is that all of these ideas were developed in like the 1880s and they all work. Like they still work. So in theory, yes, you could come up with a dimensionless quantity based on just, say, mathematical like simulation testing of computers mm-hmm. and whatever mm-hmm. to see what you'd get. But the ultimate creation of that unitless number would be up to, the, to you, the mathematician or the scientist or the engineer who develops it. And the thing is, too, like you can make dimensionless quantities that mean nothing, you know, so you could do like... Um, you could make a dimensionless time that would be like, you know, the number of years, the, the, the time from, you know, whatever the time is now divided by mm-hmm. the time since. Well, I mean, a perfect example of that would be, say, like B.C., right? Mm-hmm. Or, or A.D. Like that's a dimensionless time in theory because it's years. You could represent it as dimensionless if you did the number of years from, you know, whatever A.D.'s start divided by the number of years from the beginning of time, right? Or you could do like, you could do number of years today over the years mm-hmm. since AD or, you know, you could come up with all kinds of weird things, right? Mm-hmm. But you could call it its own thing. And then you could use it for mathematical descriptions. So, okay, this is all getting all tangled up now, Marie. Mm. What is it? talking about pasta. But, but the really interesting thing is that because of the way all of our mathematics works in describing physical systems, there are really cool mathematical ways that you can go from a, let's say you had a really, really, really complicated answer. That was like, you know, it's this value at this temperature and this pressure and this mass or whatever. If you can define your math in terms of that dimensionless quantity, your answer becomes just one number. Like it's, oh, it's a Reynolds number of 12. It's a Reynolds number of 20,000. It's a Reynolds number of 50,000. And all of a sudden your extremely complicated equations become much more simple, much more simplified. So it's, it's just kind of a taste of this cool engineering thing that I think is really, I think it's really fascinating. Listeners, I hope you found it fascinating. Marie's brain is melting 
No, I'm just trying to figure out how how far you have to work to get to Burt's Burt Reynolds number. That's all. You got to work hard. It's the number of it's it's your mustache hairs over his mustache hairs. Well, first of all, I don't have any mustache hairs. That's what I'm saying. Yours is easy. Yours is easy to measure. Mine is difficult. I'm only at like a half a Burt at any given time. Oh, man. Half a Burt's just no Burt at all. If you count my chest hair, I'm a full Burt and a half. (laughs) All right. Let's move (laughs) on to the Alien Odyssey. Everyone who's like, everyone who's like, uh, I don't know, anywhere in their 20s, there's probably like, for you, for some strange reason, they're like, Burt who? I know, seriously. Oh my goodness. All right. Dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode. It's been weird. We're going to do Alien Odyssey Part 3 now. I'm so excited. Absolutely. Let's do it, Marie. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist Podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show... Please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at madscientistpod or at teamgiantsquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a Damn It Chippy production. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. 